Real stories, reliable information, the latest technology and news. Welcome to the Plastic Surgery Hub podcast, connecting people with practitioners. Oh, hello, listeners and everyone else out there. Um, it's Trish Hammond here from, from Transforming Bodies, and today I have the absolute joy of speaking with Dr. Michael Moulton. Now, Dr. Michael Moulton is the um, owner, director, doctor of the Epi Clinic in Adelaide in Wakefield Street, and he's also the president of the Cosmetic Physicians... Um, sus- oh, let me get it right. Because <laughs> you've just changed the name. The Phys- Cosmetic Physicians College of Australasia, which is the acronym for it, is the CPCA. And today or tonight, we're going to have a bit of a chat about um, the state of the profession, a little bit about safety, and just kind of where the cosmetic medicine industry is headed. So thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Moulton. My pleasure indeed, Trish. I hope I didn't faff my way too much through that intro. but. <laughs> But actually, you made the same uh, mistake or mis, uh, whatever you'd like. Uh, when I took office, I, I got stumbled on that because it used to be the Cosmetic Physician Society of Australasia. Exactly. And that's where I was going. <laughs> you going and that's where I went, uh, the acceptance speech. So. You're not alone in that. Oh, that's great. That's great. So good to hear. I'm not the only one that makes mistakes. So tell us, um, I'm really, really excited to be um, hooked up with the um, CPCA because there's so much going on in the industry at the moment. And and so I thought, well, who, who better to call upon that, you know, except, you know, the industry itself to kind of give us some answers and kind of help consumers know where everything's headed. So tell us a little bit about, I know there's lots of stuff happening at the moment with improving patient safety and, and you know, everyone working towards the same goal because we've got quite a few groups everywhere. But tell us, do you want to tell us a little bit about the state of the profession, where it's at at the moment? Because a lot of consumers are a little bit confused as to what's what. Yeah, absolutely. There is a heck of a lot of confusion uh, the first confusion that I'd like to clear up is the major difference between cosmetic medicine and that of cosmetic surgery. You know, very much like general medicine, um, in general medicine doctors write prescriptions and do minor procedures and so forth, but they don't actually do operations like surgeons. So there's a big difference in the skill set and there's also a big difference in the actual procedures that we perform. So in terms of uh, cosmetic medicine then, um, you know, th- there is no recognised course of study. There's no specialty. There's, n- there's no item numbers to claim on literature. It's all privately built and so forth. So what it comes down to is that um, the profession needs to be self-regulated and over the years uh, various groups have grown up in slightly different directions um, and with my presidency what I've tried to do and one of the platforms of which I based my uh, election of presidency upon was to bring those groups together to find the common ground, to remain independent of one another because we're all slightly different but to at least find some really common ground and a code of conduct that we can all follow that will bring much more safety to the procedures that we perform. Yeah, I, I know it was not even that long ago that um, I discovered or that I started actually 
relating to doctors as either cosmetic physicians or cosmetic surgeons because there is that big uh, like gap as to what each of them are. So do you want to give us a little bit about that? Because I know that there's, you know, there, there is stuff going on with the, you know, in, in the government, like the New South Wales Joint Ministerial Committee meeting that was held in August or something. So there's stuff happening so that people can't be... Um, not misled because it's not misleading. It's just it's just that we're kind of ill-informed as to what what is. Well, that's right, Trish. And you know, the the joint ministerial committee. Um, I was a, a, an affirmed uh, or sworn witness, uh, among other people. Uh, I found that incredibly uh, interesting, but also very frustrating from the point of view that even the panel of ministers themselves began to, to speak about cosmetic medical procedures and then in the next sentence went on to talk about breast implantations um, and facelifts and, and so on and so forth. And they didn't seem to grasp that there was a significant difference between the skill sets, risks and complications and the types of persons and, and, and groups of people that perform those different procedures. So um, there is still a lot of uh, confusion about that. But if I can outline just an answer in your question, um, cosmetic physicians perform essentially what you could call non-invasive or minimally invasive procedures. But the best way to determine the difference is to say, we don't do operations like surgeons. Yeah. Okay. So, so a cosmetic physician... Um, is a because all cosmetic physicians and cosmetic surgeons they're all doctors, but cosmetic physicians don't basically don't cut the skin. Is that right? For, perform operations, cut the skin. Is that kind of right? If they were to, that would be very minor. Mm-hmm. Uh, some cosmetic physicians have an interest, for example, in um, in, sur- in minor surgical procedures for skin cancers and so on and so forth. Yeah. In terms of, I think the best way to sort of outline is we don't need anaesthetists. We don't go to operation hospitals. We don't have patients that are unconscious or sedated or any of those sorts of things. We perform those procedures, you know, in, in, um, in clinical environments, uh, not beauty salons or, or, or those sorts of um, places. In bona fide medical procedures, but this is, you could make the comparison or similarity or an analogy, if you like, of having, you, you're off to your general practitioner who you might see for asthma or diabetes or blood pressure. Um, and he, he would prescribe um, certain medications for those sorts of ailments, uh, depending on what the doctor found and so forth. Um, and he might refer you off to a specialist to have something done, but on the main, uh, in, in the main, um, that's the sort of process in a clinical environment. But there's, there wouldn't be an operating theatre in the environment in which you go to see a cosmetic physician. So there'd be no anaesthetist, there would be no operation, there would be no sedation, there would be no general anaesthetic or any of those sorts of things. Okay. So what about in, so basically, What's the difference between a cosmetic physician and someone who would call themselves a cosmetic surgeon? It, like as in, because I know that there's, there's people out there doing surgery who 
who don't have a surgical qualification apart from the MBBS, which is the bit of surgery training that you that um, is given when when you get your doctor's qualification, because I know that 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 covers surgery. So, is there really is the problem just with the term cosmetic surgeon because it's not a recognised specialty? Well, you know, we were asked this question at the joint ministerial inquiry, and it's really not our domain to be. Um, we were asked about uh, protecting the title of uh, surgeon. But, you know, the CPCO does not have a position on that. It, does, it doesn't um, take up any opposition. It does, it's not informed enough about those sorts of uh, issues. We're, we're really firmly concentrating on things like anti-wrinkle injections, dermal fillers, and, and things like energy-based devices, uh, lasers, uh, cryolipolysis devices, fat reduction, non-invasive procedures. These are the sorts of things. So we, we're not in a position to comment on, you know, protecting the title of surgeon because we're simply not in that domain. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's probably um, the, the same way a lot of people actually feel because it's kind of not their, um, you know, it's not their area, it's not what they're focused on. So you, you're right, it's really hard to comment on that. So... I know that just to help with patient safety and, and stuff that seems to be going on, I mean, it's always gone on, it's just that it's been a bit more highlighted these days. And I think that's because more people are having procedures anyway. But is there a way that, uh, I mean, I know for a fact that there's a way that, that you and other organisations are working together to, you know, create a kind of community kind of thing where, where um, it's all about improvements in patient safety. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, we had um, a tragic uh, death, as we know, in New South Wales uh, last year um, in a beauty salon, um, which was um, allegedly um, created by the use of um, a um, prescription-only medication. Um, and we also had earlier this year at least one case that we know of of uh, permanent vision loss uh, in, a, in a patient following the administration of dermal filler um, in that state in New South Wales also. So uh, we've been actually, as the college, um, have been warning uh, about the possibility of these sorts of events because the lack of regulation it's not so much the lack of regulation. The regulations are probably there, but the, the lack of policing the regulations has been uh, uh, very um, tardy. It, it, very tardy. There just has not been enough attention um, from the regulators in regards to the warnings that the Cosmetic Physicians College of Australasia have been constantly providing over the last two or three years. So, um, you know, uh, we've been lobbying all sorts of government regulators um, to try to educate them and to try to get them to understand what are the difficulties that we face and why we face them um, and try to get them to um, tidy things up. A lot of that is spilling over now into the community of 
people understanding um, uh, more about the potential risks and complications, which can happen in, in any set of circumstances. Um, but I think what happens at the moment, Trish, is there are two things. The first is that there's a trivialization uh, of the potential risks and complications of uh, cosmetic injections and energy based devices. The public are uh, I suppose they're entitled to believe that if these procedures are performed anywhere by anybody, that this is legal and that it is safe. Um, unfortunately, that's not the case. Uh, so this con concept that, um, that all these things are safe and that, you know, you just go and have a little bit of dermal filler pumped into your lip or into your cheeks or wherever, wherever you go, if if you can get it done there, it must be okay. Otherwise, wouldn't the government or whoever's regulating industries and profession, wouldn't they step in and stop it? But the fact is, it is unlawful in many, many cases, and it is dangerous in many, many cases, in unskilled hands and untrained and inexperienced people. But nothing is really being done about stopping it by the regulators. Yeah. Yep. And you know what? I was... oh, sorry, sorry. What was the first thing? The second thing is, and I come back to this, is that there's not a recognised course of study that the medical board or Australian Health Practitioners Regulation Agency recognise as being the specialty in cosmetic medicine. So we've got these two-day really quick courses that are out there that and uh, loosely termed courses, they're, they're not teaching, they're showing patients, mm -hmm. showing doctors how to do these procedures, but they're not teaching and they're not spending enough time um, you know, observing how skillful these are. So this is these are the two problems, the trivialisation and the lack of a recognised course of study. You know what, and, and I reckon if, 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 there, if somehow there can be a a course of study that's going to be recognised, I mean, that's going to be the answer to all the problems ultimately in the end, isn't it? It, it, it absolutely is. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, those two things, uh, the, the, the focal point in my mind as the president of the CPCA and now the board, uh, as a group and also now with the Cosmetic Medical Alliance Group, which encompass, encompasses the Australian... Uh, the Australian Society um, of Aesthetic Medicine, um, Australian College of Aesthetic Medicine, and the Australian Society of Cosmetic Dermatologists, and also the me medical faculty of the Australian College of Cosmetic Surgery. Those four, those four organisations are coming together and formulating this recognised course of study so that we're all on the same page that we can then present to the Australian Medical Council and say, look, this is the recognised course of study. If people do not have this and have not passed this to the satisfaction of the examiners, then these sorts of procedures have not been applied or performed by persons who don't have those recognised qualifications. That's the bit that's lacking. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think um, that's so true because then, then even within... All of those levels, there has to be, you know, like, um, you know, 
you have to kind of work out what is cosmetic surgery then in, in the end like is it you know is it a breast augmentation is it a a tummy tuck do, do you know what I mean because a lot of that stuff is actually probably more than cosmetic but we put it under a banner that relates it to cosmetics so therein lies another issue in itself i guess well that, that's what i mean that's really up to the cosmetic surgeons yeah. uh, you know, they, need to, they, they need to be doing that um, and wh wh whoever you know whoever is designated who might be regarded as surgery we don't have anything to do with we don't we don't understand any of the stuff that they do we don't do it ourselves yeah uh, completely focused on creating a recognised course of study in cosmetic medicine. You know, it, 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 it's, once again, you know, I come back to this point of trivialisation that we mm. see just today um, I received uh, uh, an alert you know, about anti-wrinkle injections of dermal fillers and, and, and these sorts of procedures that we do that are now being performed on cruise ships, for instance. Um, oh, are you serious? Oh my God! Oh no! So, so you see, these are this is uh, you don't want to take away people's preferences and choices and so forth, but you do want to say to people, uh, look, if you do go on these sorts of you know wonderful voyages and so on, which are hugely enjoyable, uh, are you really in the right frame of mind to be? Um, thinking objectively about the potential risks and complications of what might occur when you are in, away from Australian waters uh, on a ship miles from anywhere. So, that, and, but this is all generated by this trivialisation of, you know, um, somebody the other day called it uh, Snapchat dysmorphia syndrome, and it's it's a veritable. Um, disease at the moment of, of young people um, taking selfies, going along to, you know, people like ourselves and saying, you know, I've used Facetune uh, to, to create this image and this is what I want to look like. So, so we, you know, the, the psychological um, approaches to patients is vitally important. But you can't blame the patients in some way because there is so much trivialisation of the potential risks and complications that can occur out there. Yep, that's so true. And at the like, if someone so if someone's looking for like, say for example, if someone's looking for a you know someone to have their injectables, they're not interested in having sur surgery. They just want to have injectables to maintain, you know, a level of youthfulness or to kind of fix their a skin problem or anything like that. It's it's kind of important to have a look at the qualifications that or, or yeah the qualifications and I guess the memberships that 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 um, the person that's going to offer you the treatment. Has isn't it so that things like that um, that disaster that happened in that beauty salon uh, last year yeah. Yeah. don't don't happen and just I mean I don't know it's it's such a like you said it's so trivialized and I know because I kind of you know I look at myself as well and I trivialize it on myself it's like oh my god I could really do with some Botox in that head or you know what I mean like we, we it's kind of become the norm almost now so like years ago it used to be you'd go to the beauty therapist and you'd have a facial whereas now you just go down the road and have injectables in the same kind of breath so it's quite simple and easy and I guess that that goes with um you know with things I guess that goes with oh what would you call it kind of 
Oh, yeah. It's, it's, Society changing. Absolutely. But, um, you know, hand in hand with that it is that people need to do their research. They need to, as you mentioned just a moment ago, um, training is one thing. We talked about a recognised course of study. But experience is also important. Even when you've been trained, um, you know, you need to, in these procedures, you, and some people never get it. You, know, mm-hmm. you have to be adept. You have to be, you have to have those skills. I can tell as an examiner for the college, the moment a doctor picks up a syringe, I can tell from the moment they pick it up whether or not they're going to be good, bad, or average. You can tell by the demeanor, you can tell by the way they approach the patient. This is a, it's an art and a science, and it comes from experience, but it also comes from the fact that you have to really have that artistic uh, dexterity to be able to do these procedures, as well as understanding the science. But yep. it's really important to ask about how have you been doing these procedures? How many have you been, ha- have you done? What complications have you seen? And you know what? Uh, I say this a lot. Anyone that says that they've never had or never seen complications, they're either telling furfies or they just haven't done enough work. Yeah. Not very often, but the one most important thing is you must know to manage those complications and inexperience is an absolute disaster in those situations. That's so true. And, you know, that goes for surgical and non-surgical because, um, you know, there, there's always going to be problems because everybody, you know, that you're treating is a different person. They heal differently. They do lead a different lifestyle. So it's how those complications are, are handled that becomes the real um, issue and, and that's, you know, that, that's what it's all about, making sure that you get someone that's probably trained and qualified. And, and like you said, exactly, I, I think the, probably one of the most important things is the person that you're going to has to have an aesthetic eye because it is about aesthetics. Like you can see people who've got, you know, all the qualifications, but they may not necessarily have the aesthetic, um, you know, the aesthetic eye as much as someone who may be less qualified kind of thing, so still qualified to do a certain thing, but maybe less, less qualified, quote. Yes, and, and, you know, um, they say beauty's in the eye of the beholder, but, what, what you know, that in our field of cosmetic medicine, we say look better, not different. Yeah. And so this is, you are, and if you want to compare in any way at all between cosmetic medicine and cosmetic surgery, there are some fundamental differences in terms of that process is that with cosmetic surgery, you are looking, you are going to look significantly different. And there are many, many, many patients that don't want that. They want to look better, but they don't want to look different. And so that's why they choose the procedures that we perform. They want those subtle changes that help them look refreshed, um, more youthful, less tired, less angry all those sorts of things. Yeah, I totally hear. I totally re- relate to it. Um, yeah, you've, you've, hit the, you've actually said it perfectly. I don't want to look um, different. So I, I reckon that's the perfect way to explain it. 
better than look better, not be good. Yeah. But, oh. I mean, what patients say when they come in to, to see me and, and people like me is that their greatest fear, uh, it, it almost rolls off everyone's lips for the first time that they see me and people like me, is you aren't going to make me look like a freak, are you? Yeah. Because we see that this, you know, dysmorphia, uh, humongously blown up lips and uh, you know, people that just don't have the capacity for that. And they're not ideal candidates for those sorts of procedures. And you know, yep. the more work you do like that, the more product you put in someone's place, the more likely you're going to have a complication, a serious complication. And we see these, and the problem is with those, those things is the patients, are, they feel embarrassed. They feel guilty that they've not done enough research, that they were, that they were persuaded and high-pressured into doing something that they didn't fully appreciate and didn't understand. But they're not about right now to be complaining about it to the authorities. So very, very few of those patients actually make any complaint to the board or any of the other regulators you might choose. Yeah, that that's so true. They just kind of live with it because they think, oh, well, I stuffed up by, um, well, actually, just being too embar- embarrassed to fess up and say what they had done and the fact that it was, yeah, of themselves. This, you know, man-made, man-made uh, topic that was, you know, made up in Victorian times of, of the word vanity. Um, you know, people that come to see us in modern times have stories about separation, divorce, have grown up, it's time for me now, I'm feeling a little tired. People say I look angry, I'm not angry, I'm not tired, I'm not upset. I'm not worried. I'm sick and tired of people asking me how well I am when I feel fine. I, I, I want to change that. I want to look better, but I don't want to look different. Yep, yep, totally. I've seen a lot of those people out there that are the ones that look different. They're just, um, um, you know, using yep. too much or whatever it is. Like we've all seen them, eh? Absolutely. And, and you know, it's a great fear for, for a lot of people. But you know, the, the best cases are the ones that you don't pick, that you don't see, and yet they they just look back more refreshed, but a little bit less angry, less tired, all those sorts of things. Yep, yep, because it's it's true. As as we um, age, we naturally kind of do tend to take on that more. Or as a woman, you take on more of that masculine kind of features, and you do kind of look a bit angry and and. It's true. Some people, they don't mind, but some people, they do. They just want, you know, they just want to actually look, you know, well, better and just feel better about themselves. And, and I've always been one to say, you know, if you don't care, yep, great, more power to you, but that's just not me, hey. Well, that's right. And, and you know, there the, are the, the, the other stories that patients come in with, but um, I'm, I'm re-entering the workforce. Uh, I want to stay in the work. I need to stay in the workforce longer. Therefore, and I'm in the face of the public. I need to put forward the, you know, a happier disposition, uh, a a more relaxed, a a less tired, a less angry disposition because that my job relies on that. Um, And, you know, um, so 
com- the, the combination of the socio-professional impact of ageing as the as the popula- population ages, and we're needing to stay in the workforce, or we're finding ourselves, you know, back in the social scene again, has a much greater impact than it did years ago. Um, because, as you said earlier, because of society's changes. Mm. And you know what? And, and it's progress. Like, you know, as years go go on, like I recently had back surgery and, you know, the discs that were pl- replaced in my back, he used titanium as opposed to what they were using 20 years ago. So things change and things get better and we can do more things that we did 10, 20 years ago. And really aesthetic treatments are part of that, whether we like it or not. It's not about... Um, you know, it may not be about having body dysmorphia. But it may just be about the fact that, um, hey, I know that I can look um, a bit better than I look at the moment, which is what I want if I do this, so I will. And that's okay too. Absolutely. And it, 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 it's a very fulfilling process. Um, you see the, the, the pleasure on patients when they come back, um, the pleasure that, you know, that has come about from the treatments. Yeah. For the reviews and, and, and you know, um, there's another difference that you could apply to cosmetic medicine versus cosmetic surgery. Patients that come to see us, uh, they don't come once. They come maybe two, three times a year. Some, mm-hmm. some might come once a year. Some might come twice a year, depending on what sorts of. Uh, sorry, every other year or so on and so forth. But I've got patients that have been coming to see me for 10 years. That's quite different as a general rule to cosmetic surgery where you would have a single procedure, you probably have a follow-up, and that would probably be it. You may never see that surgeon ever again. Yep. That's so true. That's so true. Whereas, um, um, in uh, what you do, people will, yeah, they won't, they'll come back and have their treatments on a more regular basis. I guess it's more of a consumable, for want of a better word. Yeah, um, it's just staying ahead of as much as possible of the game. And, you know, um, I, I think it's very gratifying for, certainly gratifying for me to see patients that I haven't seen for two or three years that started off with a series of, say, laser treatments or, or whatever that don't wear off. They, they, they stay with us. You're always in front of what you would have looked like had you not had those sorts of procedures where, the anti-wrinkle injections and dermal filler type processes are things that wear off and you go back to where you would have been had you not had the treatment. But mm-hmm. there are lots of procedures that that keep you, and uh, whether you continue on with them or not, that keep you ahead of that ageing process. Yep. I, I totally agree. And from a consumer's perspective, I've actually had a few treatments where I haven't, like, sort of thought, oh, yeah, mm. and then six months later I'm like, oh, my God. I look better now, like I actually do look better now than I looked 10 years ago. Not that, like I'm not younger, but I just look better. I look more refreshed. I, um, mind you, I am happier because I look better as well. Do you know what I mean? It's all, it all kind of goes hand in hand as well. Like it's, you know, we're very, you know, it's very much like that. It does. You know, um, there are a lot of people that talk about how self-esteem and, and self-confidence are improved with these sorts of things. Um, you know, I, I, I think that is a byproduct. Um, I don't think it's, a, a, you know, a definition that we would apply to what we do or a reason for what we do. It, it is just about helping people 
you know, keep their uh, appearance longer um, and um, letting them age, um, not gracefully, but not disgracefully either, uh, in a way that is entirely, um, you know, um, uh, in line with the sort of ageing process that you'd expect, rather than this premature ageing that we see. And we see this a lot in the Anglo-Saxon, um, you know, in light-eyed patients. These are, these are the victims of um, ignorance in our earlier years, decades ago, when we didn't understand about sunscreens and so on and so forth. But, uh, and we see a lot of those patients and we're able to turn back the clock on some of those those issues and, and help them look more um, appealing for the age that they are. Oh, totally. You know, I've just lately, I've become a little bit addicted with watching, uh, and I don't know how I came across it, but I became addicted with watching people with facial, it is a facial deformity, like where the chin kind of sticks out a heap and their teeth are all uh, mangled. And then they go, it was actually um, a Korean TV show that I was watching. But these, the one in particular, there was this girl and her jaw actually stuck out like, like it was, it was an abnormality. There's no doubt about it. And her teeth had kind of grown all here and there. And she was, you know, shoulders down and hunchback. And she spent her whole life in this state of absolute despair and hating herself. And then um, she'd applied for this show and got this great transformation and she turned into someone who looked amazing. She just, you know, like just someone who, you know, her jaw was fixed, her teeth were fine. And, but just, it wasn't even the way she looked, but the way she carried herself. So you could see a complete difference in the way she carried herself just because of the way she looked. Isn't that so true? Isn't that so true? And I, I you know, we see that day after day after day with patients. Yeah. That, that, that boost to the, to their confidence and so on and, and feeling a lot better about things. Really good. Yeah. Well, I've got to say, I'm really looking forward to see, to, um, I mean, I love being in this industry, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what's um, going to be happening now and what's going to be done to protect the public and just kind of how it all kind of unfolds over the next however long it's going to be. And I love the fact that, that what I'm seeing now, and, and I am very new to the industry, but what I'm seeing is I'm seeing all these fusions of, you know, um, societies and um, colleges and, 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 you know, everything kind of joining together as well, which is really nice because, you know, it, it's all about just getting it right for everyone, isn't it? Well, absolutely. And, and, and a lot of, you know, over the years, it's a little bit like not talking to your neighbour and then finding out that they're actually really nice people and they actually share the same values that they do. And that and, and that's been that that is that is the best way I can describe this process. Is yep. that we've just so much discussion that we've found that we've got so much common ground. And now we're almost a united united body with our own minor differences. Yeah, no, that's so true. That's so true. All all playing in the same playground, might as well just, you know, get it right for everyone, hey. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time tonight because I know, like, it's it's pretty late at night. You could be, you know, relaxing in front of the telly or something, but you've chosen to take the time to talk to us. So I really, really, really appreciate that. So I can't thank you enough for that. No, it's my pre absolute pleasure, Trish. Lovely. Thank you so much. So, listeners, if, if you 
do find it hard to navigate out there or if you're trying to work things out or, you know, not sure where to go or whatever. Um, and if you always just want a little bit of extra help with kind of guiding you in the right direction, um, you can always drop us an email to info at Plastic Surgery Hub. I could send you a whole list of all the different um, societies and, and the colleges and, and, you know, what everyone does. In fact, you can even just find them on our website as well. But um, yeah, if you need any help, just drop us an email. And thank you so much, Dr. Moulton. Thank you so much for taking your time. You're welcome, Trish. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Bye. The material provided in this podcast is general information and does not constitute medical advice, nor is it a substitute for consultation and advice from your own practitioner. It should not be used to diagnose or treat any medical illness. Any medical or surgical decision should be made in consultation with your own doctor or practitioner and not based on the materials provided in this podcast.